0: Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. This podcast has been brewing uh, in the pot out in the country, around the country for some time now. But finally, finally, because of other people around us who are a lot smarter than we are, I was able to connect with Billy Williams and get him on the podcast. Billy, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. No, no, me. it's an honor as well. Uh, we've run into each other around the country helping agents and we've said we need to get this done, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's happened today. So let's dive in and help some agents. Uh, gotcha. Because I think when our last communication was, can we put a couple of old insurance minds together and share some stuff to help agents? And that's what we are. I mean, exactly. we're a couple of old insurance minds who have a lot to share and, We were talking about this just as we're getting ready to start. All we want is to help you guys grow, to get better, to make it to wherever you want to go. We want so bad to help you, but, right, they got to want to help themselves. Yes. What's your suggestion to people who
1: might have that block of helping themselves? First thing you got to do is you got to realize you can't be a jack of all trades. You got to master something. OK, got to master something. So Mike and I were talking earlier about my golf game. You guys that are listening that know me know I took up golf a couple years ago and it's now I'm an addict. Right. And I'm a golf addict. In fact, I just won DFW player of the year for the USM tour. So I'm very excited about that. Congratulations, but, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But the thing about my game is I don't have a long drive. My drive is about 200 yards. My second shot is probably if it's a long hole, probably going to be a seven wood. And it's going to travel about 160 yards, right? But where my strength is, is 125 in. That's my niche. 125 in chipping and putting. That's my strength. And that's what I work on 80% of the time. Because I believe that in this adage, you need to be great at one thing, good at two things, and average at everything else, right? Yeah. So if we broke that down into golf, that means if I'm great at chipping and putting, good at my second shot and an average driver, I'm still going to beat most golfers. Right. Yep. So it's the same thing in insurance. You see these, these guys and gals that are opening these agencies or have these agencies and they try to be a jack of all trades. Oh, I can write it. You, If you got it, I can write it. Yeah. Right? The problem with that is you are not great at anything. In fact, a lot of times you're below average at most things because there's no consistency. Consistency is the key. The problem is what denomination do you think in? Right? Yeah. And so if you think in a denomination of millions, then you're gonna to have to get great at something that generates millions. You can't be average or good at things that generate thousands and think somehow that's gonna translate into millions. It doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. And so you have to pick a niche agents and go for that. And you get I know you guys are saying, but Billy, uh, auto and home is my niche. That's not a niche. okay? that's not a niche. That's a product line. A niche means something that is so specific and so unique and that you become an expert at. So maybe your niche is homeowners who have Two or more or two or less years in their home, or homeowners that are buying in new neighborhoods, or people who make two hundred fifty thousand dollars or or less that have three children. Those are specific niches that you can master, market, and other people can repeat. Here's the deal: if you say you are a niche, and I can't repeat why you are unique or special, you don't have a niche. Mm. Okay? you don't have a niche. Got it. So the only thing I can say about you is, oh, they sell auto and home insurance. You don't have a niche. Now, if they say, oh, they sell auto and home insurance in this particular neighborhood to these particular people who make this kind of money, mm. that's a niche.
0: Fantastic stuff. So to be terrific, you've got to be specific. Yes, absolutely. And You are spot on, and I'm going to circle back to the intro real quick because I'm a fire-ready-aim guy. I know you're a fire-ready-aim guy, but I want everybody to hear a little bit about you, so get ready for that in a minute. But let me ping uh, add on one of my current favorite quotes uh, from about a year ago. If you're an average player, you want to be left alone because you just want to be able to slide by. Mm -hmm. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Doc Rivers. But that's exactly what you just said. Great at one thing, good at two things, and then average at everything else. I mean, so the question is, do you want to be great or not? Yes. That is flipping awesome and be so specific, so unique that you are the perceived expert in that particular niche.
1: They can repeat your niche. That's Uh the thing a lot of people don't realize. If what you do is not repeatable, uh-huh. Then, it is, then it is not transferable to someone else. If what, what do they do? Oh, they sell auto at home. Oh, okay, great. So does 92,000 other agents. Yep. So it needs to, your niche needs to be something that really stands out, like you said earlier.
0: Well, I also learned from another agent in the great state of Texas, which is where you're at, yes. or, or your home base is at least, mm-hmm. uh, that a niche, and this is a number of years ago in the commercial realm, needs to be something that's also misunderstood in some ways Mm -hmm. and underserved. So as a contributory, I mean, is that a good idea to kind of blend that in as well? Well,
1: I don't necessarily buy that because sometimes we'll come in and take over a niche. Right. Right. So let's say I'm, I'm, let's say boating. I have an agent who loves to boat. I mean, Uh loves everything associated with boating and fishing and everything like that. And so they're in Georgia Well, in Georgia, there was already an agency that pretty much had that niche, but we wanted that niche. So it wasn't underserved. It wasn't something that people didn't know about or misunderstood. We just wanted it. So we took it. We took it by doing marketing. We took it by establishing referral partnerships. We took it by doing more outreach. We just took the niche. Right. So, right.
0: I, I get it. Fantastic feedback. So, Billy, before we go any further, let people know who you are in case they haven't heard of you. Okay. Uh, I can't imagine that's the case in too many situations, but give us a little bit about yourself. I mean, what's your history in the industry? I've got a little bit here,
1: but reshare right. it again and okay. anything you want to add? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Billy Williams, retired Army, came into the insurance industry after I retired from the Thank military. you. Thank you for that. Uh, came in as With Allstate, I was a recruiter, basically, with Allstate, hiring people, hiring agents, and had no clue what the hell I was doing, had no clue what the hell they were doing, right? Let's just be honest. And so after a while, my agent that I was serving under or that mentored me, George Gray, he said, Bill, the only way you're going to know this industry is to work in this industry. Mm -hmm. You can't just be on the outside and think you know it all, right?" right? So I basically resigned from Allstate bought it. I didn't buy an agency. I started an agency from scratch and then tar- started buying some other books later on. But started an agency from scratch. Took My processes, I'm a process guy. Everything to me has to have a place. Everything to me is is a, a it's a destination. It's not a journey. And the difference between mm. that is a destination. I know where I'm going. It's mapped out. I've got a plan. I've got a structure. I've got a route. A journey, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I'm waking up and whatever happens, happens. So I'm one of those folks. Everything for me has to be a destination. I put processes in place. 2004, I was um, started my agency. I was star performer, which is like agent of the year for 2004. 2005, did really, really well. 2006, hit the Century Club. Century Club means you wrote 100 items for 12 straight months. Now, understand, I'm in Illinois, a little baby town called Munderland, Illinois, but I was writing all over the state of Illinois. And I had a staff of 22, 23, 24 year olds who really didn't know insurance, but they knew how to follow a process. Mm. So we put the process in place. 2008, realized I could be doing a lot more financially if I were independent. So I sold my agency, went independent, started acquiring other agencies. Today, Uh, I have equity in about 170 agencies around the country. I also have equity in some insurance industry behemoths. Like I have equity in Allstate. I have uh, shares in Allstate. I have equity in Goosehead. I have equity in Brown and Brown. So for me, insurance is not just about me being an agent every day. It is truly a financial vehicle, which is why the Williams Family Investment Group is, is what it is today. So I don't just look at this from, I want to sell a policy. I look at this from, I want to build wealth. I want to build a legacy. And the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Mm. And I want to make sure that I'm leaving that type of inheritance for my family and for the legacy of the people who are involved with me. So that's kind of what I do. I am I'm what's known as an insurance junkie. It's the best way to look at it. 100% agree. That is a
0: fantastic story. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being here willing to share. My pleasure. My pleasure. So let's get back to sharing and helping. Um, we talked about consistency. Do we get
1: enough in on that? Well, here's the deal. People don't know how to be consistent. That's mm-hmm. So let's start with that because telling you to do something without giving you a plan to do it is useless. Mm-hmm. So how do you become consistent? I'm going to give you four things that you need to do to be consistent. Number one, is you need to set agency recommended coverage standards. So if, if auto is what you sell, then your standard needs to be 250500, your um, that's uninsured and, and bodily injury. your uh-huh. rental car needs to be 75 dollars, your whatever. You set a standard so that everyone in the agency, whether you're licensed, unlicensed, it doesn't matter. Everyone in the agency operates from that standard. So now my licensed people can look and see, oh, this person has 100, 300, but our standard is two fifty five hundred. That means they have a weakness compared to what we want. So you have to get everyone speaking the same language, going back to the Bible, right? Man got really arrogant and was going to build a stairway to the heavens and go talk to God, right? Tower of <laughs> Babel, right? Tower of right? God didn't rain down fire and brimstone and frogs and death and all that stuff. Only thing God did was make them speak different languages. Once they spoke different languages, the tower stopped. Everything stopped. That's what happens in your agency. Uh-huh. You have multiple people speaking multiple languages, right? One person recommends five hundred thousand. One person recommends two fifty. One person recommends fifty. You can't have that. So you have to set agency standards. That's number one. Second thing that you have to do: you have to make sure that everyone can explain the consequence, possible consequence when a customer does not take your recommendation, right? Because we can say, oh, we want you to have liability 100, 300. What happens if I don't? Well, no, we can't explain it. Again, going back to a common language, everyone needs to be able to explain the consequences of not meeting your standards, your recommended standards number two. Number three, you need to have time blocking. Remember I said you got to be great at, at one thing and good at two things? Well, in order to be great, you got to put time into it. So if you don't have time blocked off to learn coverage, time blocked off to learn technology, time blocked off to follow up with quotes, if you don't have time blocking, then you're not going to have consistency. I'm not telling you to block your whole day. I'm saying block off one or two hours so that you can put whatever you're trying to be great at into its own time slot to get great at it.
0: Right. 100% agree.
1: Absolutely. The fourth thing you have to do, you have to change the denomination you think in.
0: Mm. What do I mean
1: by that? If you want to be a 10 million revenue agency, you can't do $1,000 task. You can't do $500 task. You have to have a certain denomination that you think in because your actions reflect the denomination you think in. Okay, So you may have a staff person that you think is a superstar, but when I look at their actions and their activities, they're producing $500 activities, but you want them to be a million-dollar producer. It right. doesn't make sense. Your actions reflect the denomination you think in. So the fourth thing you have to do is you have to sit down and look at your activities and make sure that your activities match the denomination that you want them to to match. So if you do those four things, you'll get more consistent.
0: Exactly. And that will, the goal is to be consistent on those four things, but the, the if you will, result of that consistency is the result that you desire, the destination, exactly. not the journey. Exactly.
1: It's like golf. When I decided I wanted to be a really good golfer, I knew that I wasn't going to have a 300 yard drive. So why waste all my time on the driving range? I knew I was not gonna have a 200 yard iron shot, right? I'm 60 years old, I'm not doing that. So why waste all my time on the iron? But I knew I could do 125 yards in and I could putt. So 80% of the time when I go practice, I'm practicing chipping and putting, right? And then 10 or you know, five or 10%, I'll go to the driving range and I'll hit some drives and I'll go out and I'll hit some irons on the range but 80% of my time is spent in that 125 in range because that's what I want to be great at, right? And if you figure that out, if I'm getting a par or even a bogey, right? Even a bogey and on, on 18 holes, if I bogey every single hole, I'm shooting a 90. If I parred every single hole, I'm shooting a 76, right? On, on Or 72, excuse me, on your average course, I'm shooting a 72, so the average golfer s- shoots somewhere close to 100, right? They say they don't, but reality is they shoot somewhere close to 100. So if I'm shooting 80s and you're out there swinging and trying to be a jack of all trades and doing whatever, you're shooting 95s. Eventually, I'm going to take your money. <laughs> you know, I'm going <laughs> to take your money because we're playing for money, right? So I'm going to take That's your right. money. Yeah. So I don't need to. I don't need to have 300 yard drives to take your money. I just need to make sure that I'm par. I'm either hitting a par every now and then get lucky, hit a birdie, but parring and hitting consistent bogeys. And before long, I'm leaving you because over 18 holes, if I beat you by one shot, each hole, I just beat you by 18 strokes. That's right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's, exactly. It's the same thing here. I don't need for my partner agencies, I don't need you to destroy the competition. I just need you to be one shot better every single day.
0: When they look at the win and loss Mm -hmm. column, they don't necessarily look back to see what the score was of every game.
1: Right. Right. But that's the thing I'm trying to tell agents. Agents, instead of trying to hit the home run every single time, just be better every single day. Be better when you're doing endorsements, better when you're doing claims, better when you're doing policy reviews. And the best way to be better is to have that consistency in your agency standards. Now everyone operates from the same level of communication. Well, they're and, speaking the they same mean, language. And I love
0: that <laughs> analogy. I mean, they're all speaking English or they're all speaking Spanish or they're all speaking Italian, whatever the language is, but they've got to be speaking the same language. Exactly, exactly. That is phenomenal stuff. So uh, do you mind uh, if I come outside of an unplanned Oh, no, no,
1: this is your podcast, my man. I'm here you. <laughs>
0: Well, that's <laughs> just what I do all the time. So anyway. So you talk about consistency, you talk about consistency in the processes, which are the people that are actually doing the majority of the activities. And I love your 80-20 rule analogy. In fact, I went down and wrote down, uh, you said great, good, and average. Mm-hmm. But invest 80% of your time in the great, 15% in the good, and only 5% in the average, if that.
1: Exactly. But well, I try to you- outsource the average. That's In an agency, that's what you do. Right. right? You try to outsource the, the average stuff to somebody else, to VAs or help or whoever. 100% agree. As
0: a an agency entrepreneur or a high-performing salesperson, as an example,
1: you should only be doing the things that only you can do, right? Not, what denomination? Again, it goes back to what denomination do you think in? I love Why that. Why do okay. I have agencies that are, you know, an agent should be making anywhere between two dollars and $3,000 an hour with their activities, but yet they're sitting there loading email templates into their system or they're sitting there calling a customer back and explaining why their policy went up $10. Meanwhile, there's a $50,000 revenue customer sitting over here. That's not getting a call back because the agent is sitting on the phone with a $10 rate increase. That doesn't make sense to me. And I I get the whole, I want to give great service stuff, you know? Oh no, I give exceptional service. Exceptional service means offering the coverage that best protects my quality of life should I have a claim. It doesn't mean rubbing my back and trying to make me feel better because you guys screwed up.
0: Case in point. Back to consistent. Let's recap that before I go to my next question. Agency recommended coverage standards in place, Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, there's consequences if the client does not accept those agency recommended coverage standards. Mm -hmm. Time blocking should be in place hmm. And it will be up to possibly leadership. We won't go there right now. And denomination in the way you think. The eight inches going on between your ears. Yes, sir. So let's jump to leadership for just a second. So you've got all these people that are doing the processes and doing what they need to be doing to deliver. How should leadership in the agency business make sure or hold accountable, if you will, all of the people who are doing those four things that are consistency
1: well that goes back to your kpis Uh every role here's the problem i I find in most agencies they hire people instead of fulfilling a role Mm. okay so they like jane they like susie oh bob's a nice guy but what role does bob have in your agency is bob's role to do policy reviews is Janie's role to make sure that they're processing policy changes, is John's role to go out and market for 50 plus vehicle policies. See, that's the problem that we run into is that they don't fill roles. So because they don't fill roles, they don't match KPIs to those roles. Right? So leadership, if you're going to sit down and do something, the first thing you need to do is understand the roles in your agency, right? And there are normally eight different areas that you want to fulfill in your agency, starting with marketing, then starting with, then going to sales, then going into admin, then going into technology and automation setup and stuff like that. I mean, we go through, we can spend hours on just that piece. But most of the time they don't know a role. And I'll go in an agency and I'll ask someone, hey, what do you do? Oh, I do everything, That's the possible worst answer you could give me, because that means you don't know your role, which Mm -hmm. means you don't know the denomination that you're supposed to be thinking in, which means you don't know your KPIs, which means you don't consistently do something that makes you great. Uh Aha. Everything. Because you do everything.
0: Jack of all trades, master of none, right?
1: Exactly. And now that's not to say that you shouldn't support the agent when they need help. But if you walk in in the morning and your primary role is marketing, then 80% of your time should be spent in marketing, right? I have this thing saying, admin is like quicksand, right? Admin is like quicksand. It literally consumes anything it touches. It's like a fire that just Mm. burns. So now my salespeople are stuck in admin. My marketing assistant is stuck becoming my admin assistant. My um, top commercial person isn't actually out talking to commercial clients because they're in the office doing admin. This is what we mean about outsourcing the average. So they're they're
0: part-time salespeople.
1: Exactly. But the problem is the moment you assign an admin task, that admin task becomes priority because admin has emotion. Right. If we're doing something admin, then that means somebody is not happy. Somebody needs something. Somebody wants something. Somebody's expecting something. And so we're going to drop everything else and try to fulfill the emotional side of doing this task. So it's going to consume everything. So now I, I'm not thinking about marketing anymore. I'm thinking about trying to make Miss Johnson happy. I'm not thinking about processing or, or, doing policy reviews anymore i'm thinking about trying to make sure mr edward knows his billing issue so no i try to keep everything in an agency segmented and i try to keep admin away from my big money producers i don't want them thinking in admin denominations i want them thinking in sales denominations we're all
0: in sales every single day in every single way Exactly. And nothing happens till somebody sells something.
1: Exactly. But agencies have fallen into this trap of being such such heavy with service that they've become service agents who happen to get a sale every now and then as opposed to splitting those roles and go, your sales, your service, your admin, your marketing, right? Defined roles. Yep. Exactly. Very defined KPI roles. And when you have your role, you can become great at your role. And that's why a lot of agents can't become great, because they don't know their role. So you just brought another thought to my head when
0: you said roles and KPI, the KPIs of the role as an example. So each role has a KPI attached to it? Yes.
1: Four or five
0: main Talk, talk about that a little bit. I mean, so... That role is expected to
1: the result, the revenue result of that role is X. Is that what you mean? So again, it goes right back to what we were saying. Be great at one thing, good at two things, and average at everything else. Mm -hmm. So in a role, let's say, let's take a very specific role. Let's Mm -hmm. say I'm a commercial producer, Mm -hmm. right? Not a commercial account manager, but a commercial producer. Sales and service, yeah. Right, so my number one role is to go and prospect commercial accounts that meet a certain criteria. That's my role. That's what I'm supposed to be great at. That's what 80% of my time is supposed to be spent doing. Now, that might mean going out and researching companies that have 50 vehicles. That may mean setting up appointments with the HR manager or the VP or whoever. But 80% of my time is spent coordinating and getting together something that fulfills that role. Where my account manager, who supports me, their job might be to make sure the pre-renewal package is ready, make sure that I've got all of the trailing documents that I need, make sure that I've updated how many drivers you have and all that kind of stuff. And that's their role and their primary KPI. Now, that doesn't mean that in in an emergency situation, I couldn't update that record. Of course. But that shouldn't be something I do unless it's an emergency situation. I should never step outside of my role unless it's an emergency. It's the same thing with, let's say, football. Mm-hmm. If I'm a quarterback, that doesn't mean I can't run sometimes, but my role is not to be a running back. Okay. That's my right. My role is to be a quarterback. Now, if the play breaks down and the ball is in my hands, I got to become a scrambling quarterback. But that is something that's almost an emergency situation, right? Or it was a called play. It wasn't something that I think I need to do every single time. So that's where we, we have to make sure our roles match what our expectations are for that particular thing.
0: Back to the agency standards. It defines all that. Exactly. Somebody, what's an emergency? Well, look at the agency standards. You haven't memorized, don't you?
1: Oh, you don't? Okay, well, we're back into training. To make sure you get what you need. Yes, because a leader's a leader's job in the insurance industry is very simple. A leader has three jobs. A true insurance leader, right? I'm talking about of an agency, Mm -hmm. hiring, training, and accountability. That's it. It is not to be the number one salesperson in the agency. Mm -hmm. Agree. It is not to be the number one admin person in the agency. Agree. It is not to put out fires every single day. Agree. Hiring the right people, training them to the standards, roles, and KPIs, and then holding them accountable for doing the things that that role is supposed to do. If you spent your time doing that and getting to that point, you're going to grow an organization, not just have a business that you go to every day. Well, a job.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the aforementioned things that you mentioned, putting out fires or handling new sales or whatever, whatever, you're training people to do that.
1: Well, not just that, but hiring, training and accountability
0: and accountability.
1: Yeah. yeah. Most fires are arson set. OK, <laughs> let's let's be honest. Most fires yeah. in an agency means that somebody screwed up. Yep. Oh, my God. We didn't we didn't process their payment and now their policies and cancel stat- status. Or we didn't get out our renewal notices, and now that customer doesn't know that this was an issue. Or we didn't, we didn't do the endorsement right or the change right. Or we didn't update the mortgagee. Or it, most fires are true arson. They're not real fires. So if we train properly, we can eliminate most of the embers that start the fires.
0: I, I know enough about those three key leadership attributes, and I 100% agree with you. If you're doing those three things right, those things won't be happening.
1: Exactly. You won't have all those fires. Exactly. You won't have all those fires.
0: Yeah, and there'll but, be no plans. People
1: go, Billy, this all sounds good. Hiring, training, accountability, it all sounds good. But when will I have time? Well, see, this is why you have time blocking. <laughs> you shouldn't find time. It's almost like saying, uh, I have, I have a dog. When will I find time to feed it? You know, I have a child. When will I find time to go get them clothes? I I have, my, my mom is living with me. When will I find time to make sure that she has her meds? I mean, these are important things that you have to time block those things. So if you're not time blocking to train, if you're not time blocking to spot check and hold people accountable, then no, all you're gonna be is that jack of all trades and you're not gonna get where you need to get. Well,
0: I'm probably going to piss some people off and make some people uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Go ahead. Billy, sure.
0: I've got that 30 or 60 minute time block to check my social media. <laughs> I can't give that up.
1: Well, now, do you want a response to that?
0: Or do you, do you... <laughs> An agreement would be good or go ahead and give me two cents.
1: Well, well here's what I tell folks. First and foremost, if it's important, it should be done in the morning. Not that's the what I—that's
0: what I was really getting at. I mean,
1: right? You know, it should be done. And like for me, I don't turn on my phone until ten a.m. I don't turn it on right now. After ten, well, let me let me just back up. That's that's not necessarily true. If I think my kids who are in college, because all my kids are in college, if I think for some reason they're going to um, contact me then I'll put my phone on do not disturb on do not disturb. You can, you can identify people that says, don't let my phone ring unless it's this person, right? Don't, you know, a notice come through unless it's this. So when I say I don't turn it on, on most days, honestly, my phone is off until 10 AM, even though I'm up at five o'clock. Right. But if there's something where I know that there's going to be something important possibly coming in, then I'll put it on Do Not Disturb with the exception of these individuals. But I'm not just going to let every Joe contact me because guess what? Every email is not important. Every inbound text is not important. Every notification is not important. Every new LinkedIn update is not important. Every Facebook conversation is not important when I've got things within my denomination or within my role, within my KPIs that I need to get accomplished.
0: A hundred percent agree. And you and and I were going off before we started about this one thing. And that's why people are not getting the results that they want. Because it's not important enough to them to be doing the things that they need to be doing to get the results they desire. Go ahead.
1: Well, the problem, again, we're dealing with emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Emotion sits between thought and action. So mm. the moment you think about something, if you don't take an action, you let all that emotion start to build up over time. So the emotion of the situation is if that phone goes to voicemail, I'm going to lose that client. Right. I'm going to lose that client. But here's here's the thing, though, Mike. Go ahead. This why they think that way is because they only got five clients. Right. Uh-huh. Only got Ten clients. Yeah. So, So because they only have a small number of clients, oh my God, I can't lose that client. I'm going to lose that income, lose that money. If you had 50,000 clients, you wouldn't be worried about that one client. When my wife and I bought our first real estate property, right? We have one property. Oh my God. Every time that property had an issue, the roof, the, the sewage, the this, the that it took money out of our pocket, right? Oh, we were constantly worried that we were gonna get that call about that property. 20, 30, 40 properties later, I don't worry about that one property because I've got enough resources, enough income, enough workflow coming in to where that property is not that important anymore. Not saying I don't take care of it, but I'm saying it is not the major focus that it used to be. Guys, if your book is bigger, If you've got enough staff, if you've got enough automation, if you've got enough technology, you're not going to be worried about every single little phone call that happens and every rate increase that happens because your book is big enough to absorb those small issues. But how are you going to get there if you never set aside time to speak in the same language, right? if you never set aside time to train, hold people accountable, you never set set aside time to do all the things
0: that we talk about. Awesome, life? awesome stuff. So, as we begin to wrap up, you know I don't want to hit any bogeys out of bounds here. I got you. But, but you know, there's so much I could build on. I'm going to ask you one last question. But you know, I also wrote down for everybody that might be in sales: your pipe is your life. Your pipeline is your life. Back to if you're worried about missing that voicemail, if you don't have a full enough pipe, that's on you. Right. And and maybe some other people under your direction, if you will. Let's wrap it up with this. I know you're a huge processes guy, which I greatly admire. And if you could select just one and I know this is going to be hard for you, Mm -hmm. if you could select your number one tip on processes. For any agents out there, what would it be? Use a decline coverage form. Uh No, it's a very
1: simple, it's a very simple. Okay, no, it's always my number one. It produces 30% of our income. We're a $1.3 billion investment group. And I'd say 30% of our incomes comes from one form, the declined coverage form, which is if you, we have our agency standards. If you as a customer do not accept our agency standards, you have to electronically sign this form that says, here's our standard, Here are the possible consequences of not having this coverage in place at the moment of a claim. You can do it, but I need you to sign this.
0: Fantastic. There you go. That's our number one tip. There's your big takeaway among many. I mean, I've got three pages of notes. Dr. Billy Williams, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for investing time. Thank you for all you do for so many in our industry. We are grateful for you. And uh, I will suggest based on the results today that we'll probably be back in touch soon. Uh, well, to hoping, continue this conversation to help agents, I'm
1: hoping you, Mike, you do just as I mean probably a better job at me and a lot of your niches and nuances that you work in. So we're lucky to have you. I think we're lucky to be a part of this industry. There this you go, right days, there, right there. In the better,
0: better said. We're both privileged, blessed, and fortunate to be part of this industry. Uh, I know the things it's done for your family, and I could go on and on about the things that it's done for my family generationally. Mm-hmm. And I did hear you say that earlier. By the way, before I forget, uh, I've also developed something in our family because we have 13 grandkids called Cousins Camp that is near and dear to my heart. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Absolutely. Because I want to learn more about the foundation and helping them because that's what I'm after. I'm after the generational stuff. So, good. Absolutely. Anyway. Thank you again. All right, everybody. Hey, if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. My name is Mike Stromso. I'm widely recognized as a leading author, speaker, and coach for the insurance industry. You can find out more at unstoppableprofitproducer.com. And of course, look up Dr. Billy Williams as well. He's got resources out there. Uh, we're out there on all the channels. So please make sure you subscribe to our podcast up at the top at unstoppableprofitpodcast.com so you miss one valuable episode. And case in point, like all the gold nuggets that Billy was dropping on today's (laughs) podcast, you're not going to want to miss one of those nuggets. Make sure you subscribe out there on all the channels as well. We're out there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and of course, our YouTube channel. Again, Dr. Billy Williams, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for giving back. And thank you for joining us today. Until next time, get out there, make a difference, be unstoppable, and leave no regrets. And remember this. You got this. We believe in you, but the action's on you. We'll see you next time. Can't get enough of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast? Come join our next live three-day boot camp in warm, beautiful San Diego. Invest in your ticket today at BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com. That's BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com.